Welcome to Money Talk with Tiff, a podcast where we discuss everything money from tips and tricks to current events. Follow me on my journey to become debt-free and meet other cool people along the way. I am your host, Tiffany Grant. Now let's talk money. Hello, everyone. So welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Today I have Janelle Pierre. Um, She is a financial success coach and the owner of The Wealth Factor. Hey, Janelle, how are you? Hey, Tiffany, I am well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. You know, I'm struggling a little bit today, but it's okay. (laughs) Girl, I think we're all struggling. (laughs) I've had (laughs) school this weekend. I was in school from Friday, on Friday from 12 to about nine-ish. We had a social after school and then I had to be back in school on Saturday morning at eight to two. And then I had a peer coaching event after school, which took me to five. So we're all struggling right now. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) So I want to talk to you today um, about the military and personal finance, because you were in the army for about eight years um, and you recently got out. But I think we had a little discussion before we hit record and, you know, with the military, all of your basic necessities are covered. So I've always wondered, you know, the spending habits of someone that's in the military, like, are they stacking all that money or is it just getting spent away? So (laughs) dive into that a little bit, like from that perspective. Oh my gosh. Um, From my personal, personal experience in the military, I spent, like you said, eight years, September 12th would would have been my eighth year. And I got out in July, like, I got out in the beginning of July. So a a tad bit under eight years in the military. And from my experience, it all depends on the person. I have seen everything from living a paycheck to paycheck to being responsible, to having cars with 24, 25% interest rates, to having sneakers that cost $1,000. I've seen it all. I've seen it all across the military. But I think the overarching impression that I got is that we can be a little bit frivolous with money like because we know that regardless to what everything is covered like our needs are covered we don't have to worry about medical dental we don't have to worry about anything if we should get sick anything like that we still get paid on the first and the 15th of every month every month we get paid on the first and the 15th so I think with that in mind you know, there are times when we can take what we have for granted and be very, we're not encouraged to be more um, careful with our money is the experience that I have had in the military with some of the people that I've been around. Right. And then especially because most people get into the military, you know, fresh out of high school, maybe. Mm -hmm. So it's like they haven't had a chance to live life for real. Yes. Um, And understand, you know, money and how to use it. But but you were kind of different, right? Yes. I actually was not one of those that got in the military at 18. I joined the military at 27. I left the military literally the, I left for the army literally the four days after I turned 27. So I had already had a lot of different life experiences. I was living on my own in New York at that time and I was struggling. 
I was struggling. I was working for, at that time, I was working for rent money because New York is expensive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have your own apartment, that's $2,000 plus a month. And I was barely making that. So I was in a situation where I was subletting from someone else. And thankfully, at that point in time, I could have walked to work. So I walked to and from work every day to save that I think at that time it was like $103 for a metro card to ride the bus a month. And so that was a lot of money for me. And I walked to and from work every day so I can save that money to buy something else. But there were times when I had to sleep because guess what? Once the rent is paid, I don't have money for food. So I would go to sleep and, um, you know, Ramen noodles was my friend at that point in time, too. And I'm 27 years old. So I'm looking at myself like there has to be more out of life. I'm almost 30 and I'm living like a, you know, a high school or someone that just got out of high school that's trying to find their way for the first time. And that was not good enough for me at that age. You know, I had already been through that in my early in my early 20s. So now I'm still doing it in my late 20s and that just was not working because the reason I kept doing it for so long is because I didn't want to get myself into debt. I didn't want to borrow money. I didn't want to live off of credit cards. I didn't want to do anything like that. So I was just living off of the cash that I made. And I was like, when I woke up that year, I was like, I'm not doing this for another year. And so I started brainstorming. And I wanted to go to college. College was a big thing for me. Like I wanted to be a nurse. And I was like, I could never go to school on what I'm making. I applied to college anyway. And I got accepted into five different colleges. And that broke my heart. It was happy and it was sad. It broke my heart. I got accepted into five different colleges in New York. And I couldn't go to any one of them. Because there was no way I could have afforded to. So I was like, this, I'm not doing this another year. So that's where the whole um, idea to join the military came from. Because I looked at, I always wanted to do it, but that's, I was scared. And that was my motivation to push past that fear. I would know in the military, I would have job security and I would be able to go to school. And that's basically all I knew about the military when I signed my contract for the first time. That was it. I knew there was going to be job security. I know there was going to be some level of danger and I knew that I would be able to afford school. So I joined the military and I left for basic training, like I said, four days after I turned 27 and it was just off from there. Gotcha. And I mean, I always say, well, kudos to you, first of all. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> I always say that I am a big punk. I could never be in the military or a police officer because I'm just too scared. I'm just being <laughs> It is scary. It is very, it's a very scary thing, especially when you know nothing about the lifestyle. Nothing. I didn't know anyone in the military at that time, really. I hadn't even been exposed to soldiers. I wanted to do the Air Force. But when I called the Air Force, they were like, well, you got to call back in two years. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Like, no, I need this now. Now like, I need to go right now. I need to eat now. You're telling me to call back in two years? Um, no. So I called a military recruiter and he was like, yeah, sure. Come on down. Let's have this conversation. And yeah, I signed my contract. And within six months, I was gone. I... And it's so weird, like things were so bad at that point when he, when I signed my contract and I said, you're leaving in six months, I was like, 
are you sure there's nothing sooner? Like, it's like I was willing to walk into fire just to make sure that I didn't live this lifestyle anymore. Mm. And that's very important because it's like, how bad do you want it? You know, mm-hmm. um, but there's another aspect to your story. So, you know, we talked briefly before we got on the air and, you know, we all have our vices, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to money. We can be really good with money, but we all have something that we mm-hmm. love to spend on. So while you were in the military, if you wanted to touch on that, like what you were spending your money on. Well, <laughs> and I laugh because it's funny, but it's not. I am not a typical girl. I'm not a typical girl at all. Don't show me shoes and purses and dresses and handbags. Don't show me. I have no interest in those things. But if I see a nice car pass by, I am all eyes, ears, and attention going wherever that car goes. So that's my bad vice. That's one of that was my only money mistake when I made that I was in the military. I for the first four years or four to five years in the military. I switched out my car. I, when I first joined, I didn't have a car at all, obviously. And my first duty station was uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia. So when I graduated um, advanced individual training, I had 10 days in between graduation and reporting to my first duty station. And um, I needed a car because I'm like, I cannot you know, I don't, I have to go to work every day. I, you know, I don't want to depend on anybody. I'm, I'm already, like I said, I'm grown at this point. So I don't want to have to be like, Hey, I need to go to Walmart. Can you take me to Walmart? So I went out and I did a little bit of research before, and I bought my first car. It was a 2011, brand new 2011, um, Toyota Corolla. And it was just a little tiny car, nothing base packaged. There was nothing nice about it, but it was in my budget and it was new. It had to have been new because I don't know anything about cars and I didn't want to spend a bunch of money at the mechanics. So if it's new, I know that it's probably not going to have any issues whatsoever. So anyway, that was my first car. I kept that car for exactly seven months and then I switched it out. I switched it out to something bigger, something nicer, something with a little bit more bells and whistles. And I was happy. I was good. My payment went up slightly about less than $100 a month. And then I kept that car for 12 months and seen something else that I liked. And I was like, I always wanted an SUV. Oh my gosh, I just love SUVs. They're just, they're just so high and I'm short so I can see further and I'm sitting higher and all these little nonsense things that didn't matter. And after 12 months, I switched out my nice mid-sized car to an SUV. So the SUV ended up being a downgrade when it came to features. So now I have this car. I can see further, I can sit higher, but it's a downgrade. It doesn't have as many features as what I thought. But the monthly payment fit perfectly into my budget. So I was like, okay, it is what it is. I have this car fine. I kept that car for two years. And then I was like, I got stationed in Hawaii and I just was, I, I, I think at that point in time, this one was an emotional purchase. My fourth car was an emotional purchase. I was going through some stuff in Hawaii and I just needed something new. And my, I remember having this, this conversation with my best friend in, in Hawaii and he was livid with me that I switched my car up, like livid. And he was like, you can go buy a dress. 
I'm like, a dress would not have made me happy. (laughs) 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 And I switched up my car again. And I bought another brand new mid-sized car, again, with all the bells and whistles. So that was my money mistakes in the military. I bought four different cars over a four to five year period. And I probably spent about $80,000 doing that. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm kick- I'm kicking myself. <laughs> wow, $80,000 just in cars. In now, cars. Was it were these car purchases um like did you roll over negative equity? Absolutely, every single time. Maybe we should explain that a little bit because mm-hmm. um you know, most people don't understand how that works. So, mm-hmm. go ahead and explain like negative equity and the impact it has. Okay, so the first first car that I bought, it was, I want to say everything after everything, taxes, titles, everything, the, it was 19,000, right? So I signed a contract, $19,000 is what, um, is what I will pay for this car at the end of, I think it was five years. So because I switched after seven months, I took the car in, they were like, this car is only worth 11,000 or something like that. So since I had paid it down some and I got some military discounts and stuff like that, I rolled over about everything came to like $4,000. So with the new car, the new car was 21,000, 22,000, somewhere around there, that, that ballpark. So the 4,000 in negative equity that I had now got rolled over. So now instead of buying the car for 22, I'm buying the car for 26,000. So now my second contract is now $26,000 with $4,000 in negative equity from the depreciation of the first car. Because the first car was bought at 19 and I sold it at let's say 11. And then I got some discounts and I got some other stuff that they had going on. I took advantage of some sales and stuff they had going on at the time. So there was a $4,000 difference that needed to be met. That $4,000 difference is negative equity and it got put onto my new car. So before I even start paying for that new car, I had $4,000 left over from the old car. And I did that every single time. I think when I signed my last contract in Hawaii with the car that I have now, and this December will be four years since I've had that car. So I'm doing pretty good. I'm never yes. switching cars out again. <laughs> yes, congratulations. You have hit a record. I have hit a new record. It's going to be four years in December. <laughs> when I signed the contract with that car, I rolled over over $6,000 worth of negative equity. So before I even started paying for that car, there was $6,400 worth of negative equity from the car before that and the car before that. Mind you, your interest rate is based on that total amount. So it's like you're paying a super premium for, you know, whatever new car you get. Well, the thing about it is, and this was another reason why I felt so comfortable doing buying these cars so often is because my interest rate was always low. I never paid above a 2.5% interest rate because I've always had good credit. So one of my cars was 0% interest rate. The other one was 1.5% interest rate. Um, The other one was 2.5, I think. And this one is 2.2. So with just that any tiny bit of, you know, at that time, that's what it was to me because I wasn't compounding, doing, I wasn't doing the math. And then another thing I didn't factor in is the gas, the insurance mm-hmm. and um, gas insurance. And there was something else I was paying for on the car. I didn't factor those things into my 
car. I was just looking at the monthly payment. When I got to Virginia and I did my budget, I factored in those things. And guess what? I realized that I was spending almost 800, over $800 a month on just my car. And that made me feel sick. Mm -hmm. It literally made me ill that I was spending almost, I rounded it up to $1,000 on a car that depreciates. That car is probably worth half of what, I probably owe more on the car now than what it's worth, honestly. Mm -hmm. Because cars appreciate that quickly. Especially the first, um, I believe, three years or or so, Mm -hmm. it gets hit the hardest. Yes. If you're buying like new cars, you're getting Mm -hmm. a depreciation even faster. Yes, And if you were to get a used car that was maybe three or four years old. And like I said, that that was like... I was in the military as a single, as a single person, as a single woman. So I didn't have like my family around me and all of this and all of that. So I did not trust to buy a used car. I didn't trust to buy it at all because if something went wrong, I felt like I would have been a victim of, you know, you know, I went in for an oil change. I'm like, Hey, your chassis is broken or, right. and it costs $10,000. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. If you say it's broken, it's broken. Because I don't, I, at that point in time, I didn't know any better. You know, I, I, I don't know cars. I know how to gas it. I know how to change the oil and I know how to change the filters. Other than that, I don't know anything about cars. So they could have told me anything was wrong and I would have been willing to pay for it because, hey, I need my car for work. You know, now I'm a little bit, um, I know, how, I know the, the value of research and now I'm around family and stuff like that. So it's a little bit different. But back then, I didn't have that option. So I didn't want to take the risk to buy a used car and it breaks down and I'm spending money on the Yazoo trying to fix it. So, well, thank you so much, Janelle, for coming on the show today. So if people want to follow you, where can they find you? First of all, thank you for having me. And I can be found at thewealthfactor.org. I blog over there and I have this whole story about my cars and so many other things um, on that website. And also I'm on Facebook at the Wealth Factor One and on Instagram at the Wealth Factor One and on Twitter, just at, at the Wealth Factor. And you have to capitalize each word. I couldn't get the one on Twitter, so I had to just <laughs> capitalize each word. Because Twitter has 15 characters only in your handle. And the one would have made 16. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, you can definitely find me on there. gotta love twitter and all of their restrictions oh yeah absolutely (laughs) thank you so much and i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day thank you you too it was so much fun bye-bye thank you for listening to the money talk with tiff podcast for free resources and materials head over to moneytalkwithtea.com and while you're there why not sign up for our newsletter so you'll never miss an episode talk to you soon Thank you.